Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and those who don't identify as either, you are listening to Ratchet and Respectable with Demetria L. Lucas. I apologize in advance for the sound of my voice this week, y'all. I've been gallivanting. I'm in New York this week, and I've been everywhere. Like I went out last night and the night before that. And hell, the night before that, I was still in D.C., but, you know, I've been out. I am drinking high-end wine and champagne, um, so no hangovers. But the gallivanting and the sipping and the lack of sleeping is taking a toll on my voice. So I apologize. I'm like, this is my moneymaker. I'm going to mess that up. At least I ain't smoking. I actually did that in D.C., went to a cigar bar. It took, like, two full washes to get the smell out of my hair. But that was D.C. I'm now in New York. I'm here through the end of the weekend. And I've been having an amazing time really doing nothing. Yesterday was, it was just a top 10 day. Like I woke up this morning feeling like alive and exhilarated. Like I went downstairs in my hotel to get coffee. And this is a very mundane thing to share. But I'm sharing it because like I was coming back up to my room and I got off the elevator. And I was like, I am living my best life. Like I am happy at a level 10. Like it just kind of hit me. Like I feel full. And I was like, I never feel this way in LA. But like yesterday I got up early and I went to the Brooklyn Museum to meet my cousin Jason, ex-in-law, but you know, nobody wins when the family feuds. But I went to the Brooklyn Museum to meet him to go to this Dior show. Beautiful gowns, literally beautiful gowns, like Dior gowns, like the structure, the tailoring, like Oh, through the years, like it was, it was just, it was a visual feast. Like it was so completely amazing. I haven't been that awed by anything since maybe the first time I went to Disney as an adult. I hadn't been to Disney in like 25 years. I was awed, I think when I met Princess Tiana, like I I literally got choked up and was like, can I hug you? Like the eight year old in me came out. That's what happened to me yesterday at this Dior exhibit. It is just, it is magical, mystical, wonderful, fantastical, like just all of the great things. I don't have enough wonderful things to say about it. Oh, it was, it was just absolutely beautiful. I felt frenzied inside. It was, it was great. Like I literally gasped when I walked in two different rooms. The curator of that exhibit, whoever did the sets, I don't know if that's the right word because I'm speaking in like film, TV talk. I don't know museum life. It was just absolutely breathtaking. That's what I'm trying to say. So that's how I started my day. And then me, Jason, went to, I think it's Peaches Shrimp and Crab. I just go to the restaurant now. Like, I don't remember the name of it. I just go there. I think every time I'm in New York. Last time I was here, I did too. Because it has like my favorite dish. Like, there's like the shrimp and rice bowl. And Jason was like, what is it with the bowls? Like, that's some L.A. shit. No, I was obsessed with this bowl, like, before I left. And he was like, yeah, because you were moving to L.A. You were preparing for your L.A. shit. He was like, we don't eat bowls of food. And I was like, of course we do. But then I was like, do we? 
as we as the New Yorkers. So we got something to eat. And then Jason is like renovating this house in Brooklyn. And, I, and I've been talking about moving back. And I was like, yeah, I was like, maybe I could like buy something in Dumbo or downtown. And Jason was like, yeah. So like the condo that you're going to buy over there, you could get a whole house like further in Brooklyn. Like, have you considered moving back to your old neighborhood and buying a house? Because things done changed over here. But he bought this really beautiful house and they're doing like a gut renovation. And so he was like, here are the possibilities. Like anything that you could possibly want is possible. And I was like, ah. Left Jason, came back to the city and had to like catch up on like some some life work-ish. My mom is actually on her way to New York right now. She's on the Amtrak as we speak. And I didn't get her a hotel room. Was supposed to do it when I was in Maryland. And I was like, oh, like, you know, it was a last minute thing for her to come up. And I hadn't gotten my hotel room. So I was like, oh, I'll just get like, you know, I'll get a hotel room for two nights just so I have a place to like crash when I first get to New York. And then I'll figure out the mom situation because I was like, I think I'm going to have to switch hotels because I stay downtown when I come to the city. My mom would prefer to stay in Midtown. And I was like, I don't want to stay in Midtown. So I was like, maybe I'll move up there when she gets here. But like, I just waited to the last minute and then was trying to look at hotels online and like all the good stuff was gone. And I was like, oh my God, like, and this was yesterday. So I was like, I have to check out the hotel in the morning and the hotel online doesn't have any more rooms. Neither does the backup hotel that I was like, oh, I'll just move over there. And I was like, they're sold out. And I was like, oh my God, my mother's going to come to New York and I have no place for either of us to stay. I was like, do I have to call a friend? So I went down to the front desk and it's like a bunch of black people at the front desk. When I checked in, I bonded with this black guy over BMF. He randomly asked me about like raising Canaan. And I was like, no, I haven't seen it. But I was like, have you seen BMF? I keep telling everybody about this show. Like, I'm a publicist for the show. Oddly enough, I was out with the publicist for the show two days ago. One of the publicists for stars. Whatever. But I bonded with him the other day. So I went back down to him yesterday. And I was like, I have mismanaged my life. And he was like, what's going on, sis? What what can we do? And I was like, so my mother's coming in town. And I need a double room for Friday. And then I need to move back to a single for Saturday. Because I hate sleeping in double rooms when it's just me. And I was like, do you have rooms? Tell me you have rooms. And he was like, I got you. And then he looked in the system and he was like, "Woo, we wild right now. <laughs> he told me the prices for the night. And I was like, are you serious? And he was like, yeah, we, we tripping. <laughs> he offered me Prosecco to soothe me. He was like, you want some Prosecco? <laughs> like before I like turn over my card for this amount. And I was like, I don't have a choice. I don't want to switch hotels. Like, so I'll, I'll pay for it. So he was like, all right. So my mother is on her way to New York. She has a place to stay. All is right with the world. Oh, happy 45th anniversary to my parents. My mom is coming up tonight. We're going to the Black People Opera, but she has to return home on Saturday because it is her 45th anniversary. And my mother reminded me, she was like, I can't stay on Saturday. I have to take an an early train because it's my anniversary and I have to be with my husband. And I'm like, you're calling this man your husband? Like, I don't know. Like, you know, sometimes like, you know, sometimes people are like, especially the newly married will always be like my husband, this, my husband, that my husband, this. It would be like, you mean like Dave? Like, we know Dave. You could just call Dave Dave. Like we were at the wedding. Like, we know that y'all got married. But she's like, you know, 45 years in. She only does this around our anniversary. But she was like, I have to be home for my husband for our anniversary. And I was like, you mean daddy? And she was like, he was my husband before he was your father. And I was like, okay, all right. Okay. All right. All right. All right. All right. So I took care of mom and then I had cocktails with my publicist, Michelle Huff. She did the publicity for Bell in Brooklyn. 
Speaking of Rebel in Brooklyn, if you read Rebel in Brooklyn, and if you have no idea what I'm talking about, it's my first book. Everybody thinks like, oh, she wrote this book, Don't Waste Your Pretty. There was a book before Don't Waste Your Pretty. Like three years before Don't Waste Your Pretty, A Bell in Brooklyn. It was a memoir of dating in my 20s. And it's basically an ode to this guy that I dated off and on for most of my 20s. He makes several appearances in the book. I mean, there's like chapters about him. Until like Wednesday, I hadn't spoken to him in three years for various reasons. We got into a fight and I was like, never speak to me again. But you know, Mercury is in retrograde or Gatorade, as some of my friends like to say. And I texted him and I was like, hi, it's been three years. And he hit me back and was like, hello, Demetria. And I was like, oh shit. So I was like, um, I'm in your city until Sunday. And he responded with his itinerary. So um, yeah, so I've been also hanging out with him. I'm skipping that in entire story. We're moving along. We're moving along. Had cocktails at this really cute champagne bar. And then after Michelle, if you ever heard me talk about my friend who looks like Jesus, I think last time I was in New York, I mentioned running into him, but like, he really looks like Jesus. Hair like wool, skin like brass, like he's Jamaican. He has like this amazing bone structure. Like we used to hang out in our twenties, like women would like openly gasp for this man. Like he's gorgeous, but he's like my brother, but I hung out with him. And then we tried to go to Miss Lily's last night. And I was like, we are doing the most right now. And he's like, isn't it great? And he was like, I'll be in the house for the rest of the week. (laughs) And I was like, once I get back to LA, I probably won't leave my house for like two weeks. Other than doing like running errands and doing postal runs. Because I'm like extroverted out. I have to go back to introvert mode to like, you know, even myself out. But like everything I've described to you is like a bunch of nothing. It's like just hanging out with great people, having good food, having good drinks. And I was like, that's my, that's living at a 10 for me. I really don't need much. (gasps) I'm so happy right now. I woke up this morning, was like playing the Osley Brothers. Whole nother story. Moving along. What is going on? What do we need to talk about? Oh, I have more good news. I think most of our show today is good news with the exception of Don Lemon. But we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Yesterday was National Podcast Day. I saw many of you tagging and mentioning Ratchet and Respectable as your favorite podcast, which thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Our numbers are really, really good right now. There's a lot of new listeners, I think. I don't know where y'all came from, but welcome. Thank you for listening. Also, I got a um <laughs> a text from a friend and she was like, congratulations. And I was like, thank you. For what? <laughs> like, and I'm thinking it has something to do with like, you know, National Podcast Day or something, which I totally, by the way, didn't know was a thing. I thought she was congratulating me for that. And she was like, you made the Ebony 100 list. And I was like, what? I remember Ebony used to do a big Ebony 100 gala, but Ebony is having a resurgence and they brought back their Ebony 100 list and their big gala. And I made the list. I haven't heard from anybody at Ebony. I was like, am I invited to the party? Like I'm on the list. Am I even in town for the party? I'm not really sure. But I made the list as um, Breakthrough Creator. And I am among very good company. Brandis Daniel, she's the CEO of Harlem's Fashion Roche. She's also a Breakthrough Creator. There's some other people that I'm not familiar with. Law Roach, Image Architect. He is the stylist for a bunch of people. One of them being Kerry Washington. I'm on his Instagram right now. Tiffany Haddish. Tiffany Haddish has been looking lovely lately. Zendaya is also one of his clients. You know, she always wears a beautiful gown. He's a really nice guy. Like many, many, many years ago, I did a 
BT after show with him and Eva and Karuchi. Really dope dude. Witty as fuck. But he's also on this list as a breakthrough creator. And Misha Green. We talk about Misha Green. It feels like every episode because I'm obsessed with Misha Green. But Misha Green is the creator of Underground, which is one of my favorite shows. And then also Lovecraft Country, which was also one of my favorite shows. So, yes, very honored to be on the list. I'll be looking in the mail, Ebony, for my invite to your big ball. See if I can get a beautiful gown situation together for the big ball. That would be exciting. What else is going on? Oh, you all don't know this because I haven't run the interview yet. I interviewed Joan Morgan because I'm obsessed with Joan Morgan. Joan Morgan is a huge, was one of the reasons I became a writer. But when I interviewed Joan, and I'll, I'll run this interview next week, I promise. When I interviewed Joan, we talked about this article that she'd written on Beth Ann Hardison. And we talked about that on here, but um, she wrote it for British Vogue. And in the article, she alluded to Beth Ann Hardison writing her memoirs. And I'm obsessed with Beth Ann Hardison. She is, I think to call her a friend would not be accurate. She's more like a mentor. We don't speak on a regular basis, but she like pops in out of my life. Like she pops in, drops like bits of advice about like how I should be living and how I should be moving. And then goes off to like, you know, Morocco or whatever whirlwind destination she's in because she lives a whirlwind life, which I was like, she's life goals. And I said that to Joan and she was like, she is, she's my life goals too. And I was like, look at that, the guiding light for generations of women. But she is releasing a memoir, which I've been excited about. And I was like, cause I asked Joan, I was like, are you writing the memoir or writing the memoir in conjunction? Like what's going on with Beth Ann's memoir? And she was like, I can't say anything. She's like, I'll let, um, she was like, I'll, I've got to let the news come out. And I was like, what does that mean? And she was like, I've said too much. I can't say anything. But Karen Amayo, she's in book publishing now. She's an editor. Where's Karen? At Penguin Random House. And she announced yesterday that Beth Ann Hardison is doing a memoir. I'm so freaking excited. She posted a screenshot of, um, of the announcement on the Random House website. It says, iconoclastic fashion legend and CFDA Founders Award recipient Beth Ann Hardison's untitled memoir tells the story of her extraordinary life beginning in 1940s Brooklyn to her wondrous years in the fashion world as a history-making muse, model, and highly sought manager. Delving into the author's vibrant memories of famous friendships, daughterhood and motherhood, passionate loves, and living abroad, this book will reveal and distill the essential ethos and life philosophies of a maverick woman of her own invention a lifelong diversity champion whose irreverent spirit and uncommon ideas continue to influence fashion and with it, American culture. Good job, Kiana. Good job. Always for the culture. Greatly appreciate you for this one because I really, really, really wanted this book. That's definitely going on my coffee table. Like, just let me know when it's on sale. More good black news. Tarana Burke. Did we say this before? I think I talked about when her book came out. Did I tell you it made the New York Times bestseller? I think she's made a New York Times bestseller twice in the same year. She had a previous book that came out and the name escapes me as I sit here thinking about it. When she came on the show to talk about it. And then we also had Tanya Denise Field. She came on the show to talk about the book because the book was so freaking amazing. It was a series of essays. The previous book was with Brene Brown. It's called You Are Your Best Thing. But con- Yes, but congratulations to my friend Tarana Burke. I brought the book with me to the East Coast and I intended that I would have downtime to sit and read it. And I was like, if not on the plane, then at a coffee shop or something. Like, I really thought that I was going to come to New York and have downtime. That was so optimistic of me. It's never going to happen. No, it's not going to happen on the plane ride back. Maybe it'll happen in Mexico. 
I'm just going to travel around the world with Tarana's book until I get a chance to read it because I really, really, really want to read it. And I've invited her on the show. So I have to read it before she comes on the show. Also, congratulations to Tabitha Brown. Her new book just came out, Feeding the Soul, Because It's My Business, Finding Our Way to Joy, Love, and Freedom. I told you I interviewed Tabitha for a publication. I wish I could tell you about it, and I wish I could tell you about the interview, but I can't scoop the publication. I don't think the issue comes out until mid-October. I've seen the layout for it. Tabitha's pictures look absolutely amazing. I think this is the look that we haven't seen from her before. So I'm highly anticipating sharing that issue. It's also the reason I didn't invite her to come on the podcast. I think she'd come. But she is in the middle of her book tour right now. The New York Times list has not come out. I guarantee you she's going to be on it next week. Her book tour, the numbers that she's doing, the crowds that she's bringing in are amazing. I'm so, so happy for her. She's one of my favorite social media follows. And I can tell you this because she talks about this like very publicly. She's been on the journey to be where she is in this moment for 23 years. Like she stayed the course. There was ups and downs um, as life tends to have. But she stayed the course and traced her dream and listened to God. Like she cites God is like the head of her life. She prays before she makes every major decision. And when I spoke to her and I was like, you know, would you have wanted this? I was like, 23 years is a long time to be in the same pursuit. And I was like, would you have wanted it to happen sooner? And she was like, no, I wouldn't have been ready. And so she was like, you know, everything in God's timing. And she was like, the way it's working now, it was worth the wait. And I was like, oh, I love you. I love you. Tabitha's disposition is who I want to be in my head. It is. And we're like the same age. I want to say she's like a month older than me. And I was like, like, she seems so like wise, so mature, so... And I'm like, do I do I ever get there? Or is my disposition is always just kind of like, you know, what's the word? I was going to say frequent, but I'm thinking of like frequency going like the ups and downs. Like, I just feel like I'm always just like buzzing. Like she seems very like calm and even. And I was like, do I get there? Is that a personality trait? Or is that like a, you know, can you pray your way to that? Can you zen your way to that? Therapy your way to that? I said that to a friend the other day and she was like, like, she's like, I know you admire it, like this trait, but she was like, is that really like what you want to be? Cause she was like, I feel like, you know, you look at her and you're like, I love where she is. I would love to be in that place. And, and she was like, but I don't think we need another Tabitha. She was like, Tabitha got Tabitha's lane. She's like, but you got your lane. And she was like, and there's a lot of people who are very calm and Zen, but she was like, there's also like a lot of people that like admire, like people who are frenetic. Maybe that's the word I'm looking for. Um, she was like, but people admire like folks who are like, you know, just sort of frenzied and all over the place. And like, that's, that's another way of living that truth be told is working for you. And I was like, oh, you would swear sometimes that I was like never a life coach. I can help other people. I can like work you through all of your ish very simply. When it comes to myself, have you ever met a sane therapist? It doesn't exist. People cannot treat themselves. They cannot. But congratulations to Tabitha. Watching her blossom and watching the world respond to her. And maybe because I interviewed her, I have like a little more insight into how she thinks about all of her success and how she feels about it. I'm just, I'm really, really happy for her. She's as amazing in person as she comes across like on screens. She's really like that chick. I love her. And other good black news, BMF. I talked about BMF. I talked about BMF at the beginning of this podcast. BMF has been renewed for a second season. But last episode, I think I was like raving about BMF. And a bunch of y'all wrote in and was like, really, D, BMF? The show is ungood. And I was like, you don't like it? They were like, the acting is terrible. I was like, really? I love it. I love it. 
You know what I don't love? I feel so bad saying this. Don't hate me. I don't love our kind of people. I watched the first episode and I understand pilot episodes, especially as a writer, are very, very difficult to write and construct. Like you're trying to like build a world and introduce all these new characters and um, create reasons for the audience to care about them. And you've got to create enough story that the audience wants to tune in for episode two. I'm going to watch it because I want to support the working blacks. I believe in supporting the blacks on TV and The last episode I saw, episode two, Morris Chestnut and Lance Gross did both take their shirts off. And I was like, this is wonderful television. It's fascinating. But it's not very good. It's not very good. I'm sorry. And I'm not the only person to think so. Like, Panama just wrote this piece for The Root. And I think the title was, it was something terrible. And I was like, Panama, Panama. Um, Hold on. Panama, The Root. It was something like, these are not my kind of people. And I was like, oh, the title of the piece is our kind of people is a treasure trove of good writing and solid acting. Just kidding. It's terrible. And I love it. (laughs) He said the fact that the show is stereotyping rich black people provides lots of shenanigans and fodder. They must maintain power and wealth after all. But it veers heavily into what the fuck territory, since the storyline actually seems to be more or less thrown together as it goes along. You almost can't see shit coming, even with the trailer. <laughs> I hate that so you almost can't see shit coming, <laughs> even with the trailer indicating what's coming next week. All of the stuff you think would land as a proper plot point gets tossed out by the characters up front. There is no mystery. Some shit went down years ago and Angela has come a calling to address it, even if she doesn't realize it at first. (laughs) He said the writing thus far on our kind of people is horrible (laughs) and the acting does the best it can, but trash material makes for goofy shows. (laughs) Oh God. (laughs) Why is he this funny? Oh, let me say this. I don't like the show. But one of the reasons I have to watch the show, I mean, in addition to like, you know, supporting the blacks and and wanting to see like, you know, again, the Morris and the Lance take their shirts off. When I was in writing school, (laughs) sorry, I can't stop laughing. When I was in writing school, my instructor was like, you should watch one, the first five minutes of as many new shows as you possibly can, because you are in school to get a show on the air. The shows that you're watching means somebody made a pitch, wrote a pilot, went through all the background BS that it takes to actually get a show from conception to on air. They did what you're trying to do. So you can learn something from whatever that process is. So I look at our kind of people, especially as a writer and be like, yo, really? I acknowledge that Lee Daniels has had several successful shows on the air. This is the most recent. And I believe the ratings are good because like everyone's talking about it, even if they're dragging it, which I was like, we've seen this before because that was kind of what happened with Empire. Like he just gives... So much plot, so much plot. But like people are always talking about the crazy shit that happens in his shows. He has a method. It's wild, but it's successful. In other good news, Bridgerton, they've released um, a first look for season two. We talked about how like the Duke of Hastings is not coming back. And a bunch of people were like, I'm not watching the show. I only watch for like the hot black guy that kept like, you know, flashing his ass, which yes. Although I really do like Bridgerton. Like sometimes I put it on before I go to bed. Like, I just like their accents. They're, like, comforting to me. 
But this new episode, because the first season was the big family and the plain white girl. She's pretty. She's plain though. But the plain white girl from the family who was like looking for a love match during like love match season. And so this season is about one of her brothers. I was looking at some of the reactions the other day and people were like, this dude is not hot. Like, why why are we going to be interested in this? And I was like, he's giving me fits. I didn't really think Fitz was that hot. I thought, what's the other guy? The guy who was like Fitz's best friend, the blonde. I can't remember his name. It's been so long. I thought he was hot. But there was something about Fitz. Like Olivia was into Fitz and over time I was like, okay, girl, Fitz it is. Um, But I feel like this guy is going to like give us Fitz. He'll have enough personality. Although I didn't really like Fitz's personality. I say all this to say, I I watched the little short video clip and I was like, it's giving Fitz. That said, it seems the love interest for the not Fitz guy on Bridgerton is a black girl. And it also seems like there's three new black women being introduced into the storyline. So I was like, oh, well, you got me now. You gave me hot black dude last time. Now you're giving me three black heroines. And I was like, okay, I'm good. I'm in. I'm waiting for the think pieces because I know they're coming about how mainstream media doesn't really show black people being in love. And that like interracial romance is like all the rage. Like you see it a lot in commercials. I've seen think pieces about that. But I was like, oh, I'm just waiting for the think pieces about this black woman and this white man. And I was like, oh, are we going to go like the Bedwinch thing again? Like we did with Olivia Pope? Or have we moved beyond that? I don't know. Sometimes I think we progressed and then I see like the think pieces. And I was like, no, we haven't. We're, we're, we're regressing as a matter of fact. But the new black girls are really cute. They're visibly brown too. What else do I have on this list? Oh, I have this Ellen Pompeo mess. Did you see Ellen Pompeo? I really have no idea who this woman is. I just know she's on Grey's Anatomy. And she told this story about basically acting like a whole Karen on the set of Grey's Anatomy because Denzel was directing and she didn't like the way a character was playing a part in her scene. And so she corrected the person. And then Denzel flipped because he was like, you as the actor, don't tell the other actor how to act. That's my job as the director. And they had this whole back and forth where she basically acted as she was like, I've been on Grey's Anatomy forever. You're new here. You're just a guest director. Like, you don't even know where the fucking bathroom is. I know her version is like, I want to say she's called Denzel Washington a motherfucker. And I was like, girl, what? Why would you tell people this? Like, you're dead ass wrong. And I think the way she told the story, I haven't listened to the podcast episode where she shared it, but I've just seen like people talking about it. And I was like, why would you go tell this story about you acting an ass on someone and while telling it, not acknowledge that you acted an ass? Like, I could see if she was like, yo, I was on set once and, you know, like Hollywood was really going to my head. And like, I like wild out on Denzel Washington. Like I really lost my mind. And then people were like, okay, well, it seems you learned from it. But like the way she's told the story is like, it was normal behavior for her. She didn't see anything wrong with what she did. And then on top of flipping on Denzel, the Pauletta, Denzel's wife comes on set and she tells Pauletta what her husband did. Like she's, like she's tattletelling to Pauletta about her husband. And I was like, did you think Pauletta was going to empathize with you and be like, oh, I'll talk to him. Like, girl, what? You thought this black woman was going to hear your story about how you, how you cursed out her husband and was going to do what? Like side with you? Girl. And she's being dragged left and right. And I was like, you did that to yourself. You got on your own show and told this story about you acting an ass and didn't see nothing wrong with it. And now people are dragging you. You could have sat in the car and ate your food and you wouldn't have to deal with this. But no. What else? Oh, the Super Bowl. There's a lot of good black news this week. This makes me very happy. 
the performers for the Super Bowl were announced yesterday. The friend who sent me the announcement, because he knows I'm traveling, so he just makes sure I'm in the loop. But the friend who sent this to me was like, let's talk about who's on the lineup first. It's Dr. Dre, Snoop, Eminem, Mary J. Blige, and Kendrick Lamar. I was like, holy shit. That's a hell of a lineup. Yo, whoever is working the sensor button that day, they about to have a real bad day. Whatever network this is on, they should just get the fines in order now. Just just start saving up for the fine money because FCC is about to fine you. You might get away from no cursing from Mary, but everybody else is going to at least let one F-bomb out. They just have to. It's just the way it is. A friend who sent it to me was like, we gave Dr. Dre like a lot of grace given his, you know, repeated accu- accusations or confirmations of beating women. Definitely Michelle A. Definitely D. Barnes. Did his wife accuse him of being violent too? But I was like, yeah, like you, you are well known to like beat on women, sir. And you still get the halftime show at the Super Bowl? Really? And I like Dr. Dre's music. I, I sang his praises a couple weeks ago and we talked about Diddy was like, oh, I, I'm not doing a versus with Jermaine Dupree. The only person who can get in a ring with me is Dr. Dre. And I was like, you're not on Dr. Dre's level. Like you're, you're doing a lot right now, sir. You're, you're doing the most, the absolute most. But Dr. Dre is hosting the, the Super Bowl. And that's, I mean, I guess this is because Jay-Z is over there. But I was like, this is just very interesting. I was like, because all of these people, except for Mary J. Blige, have been like public enemy number one. Like Dr. Dre was in NWA. Snoop was on trial for murder at the beginning of his career. Murder was the case. Like, you know, he was like the face of gangster rap. Eminem said crazy shit. Kendrick. Kendrick was like part of the soundtrack for BLM. I want to say the first time around. Black Lives Matter, when Black Lives Matter wasn't like popular, which I always like to point out, I need to write about that at some point. Because the first round of Black Lives Matter that came out of Ferguson, they were considered like a terrorist organization. And I remember interviewing one of the founders, I think it was Alicia, and she talked about, she realized that Black Lives Matter was like a a thing when she was going through, when she was sitting in the airport. And I interviewed her on here. But I remember her talking about sitting in the airport and like CNN or MSNBC was on and she saw her picture on the screen and they were discussing whether she was a terrorist. And she was like, what? I just want like, you know, people to stop killing black people. She was like, I'm not trying to bomb anything. I'm not trying to terrorize people. I'm literally on some stop killing us and I'm being called a terrorist. And then fast forward, you know, post George Floyd, then, you know, then, you know, Black Lives Matter is suddenly, you know, I don't know, family friendly. And I can't log on to a website to buy shoes without like a statement in support of black lives, which I was like, where did those statements go? Like it was a catch. It was a great catchphrase. I saw it on T-shirts. I saw it on corporate websites. I saw it spray painted on buildings. But like, where did the sentiment go? I feel like it was hot for a minute. And then like half of the white people were allies. And then I'm like, but where did all the allies go? I ain't heard a white person say Black Lives Matter in a really long time or do anything to show Black Lives Matter. What else? Oh, Don the Lemon. We need to talk about Don the Lemon. So I guess CNN, they, they must be aware by now that there are targeted attacks on their anchors. I want to acknowledge that I think it's a coordinated attack that an organization, because this is more than just one supervillain sitting in a room, like rubbing their hands together and laughing wickedly. They're clearly coming for them. 
I think you can acknowledge that it's a coordinated attack and then also acknowledge that they did or are likely to have done the shit that they are accused of. In the case of Chris Cuomo, it was an accusation plus the screenshot receipt plus Chris Cuomo being like, yeah, I did that shit in 2005 and I apologize for it and meant it. What Don Lemon is accused of, Don Lemon has flatly said, he was like, this is unfounded. I didn't do this shit. I don't know where this is coming from, but there's a whole lawsuit. I kept seeing people talking about Don Lemon and I was like, what did Don do now? Because I've been like on the road, so I haven't really been paying attention. So I had to look up the story. Don Lemon, you know what? Let me read it from a respectable site. Because if I tell you what it is, you can be like, Demetri, you're making that shit up. Because what I read was Don Lemon was at an event and he put his hands down his own pants on his dick. He removed said hand and he took his index finger and middle finger and shoved it into a man's face. And asked him, do you like pussy or dick? I was like, what? What? Let me read this from a respectable site. Because you be like, Demetria, that's some bullshit. You are making this up. Don the Lemon would never. And I'm not saying he did. I want to acknowledge that Don says he ain't do that shit. I also want to acknowledge that I be watching the New Year's Eve show on CNN. Don Lemon be getting fucked up. And I was like, if you're getting this fucked up. While working on camera on an international broadcast, what is your your social life like on a regular basis? I'm not saying Don has a drinking problem. I'm saying Don clearly likes to party, which is fine. I told y'all at the beginning of this podcast, like I've been out the last three nights, going out tonight too and tomorrow. But I was like, Don Don Lemon be getting lit and lit people be doing crazy shit. And I was like, "Eh." it wouldn't surprise me if this story was true. Which again, Don says it ain't. Let's look up this story on a legitimate site and make sure we get the details right. Because that's a wild accusation. A lot of the mainstream news is not talking about it. I had to read the story on, I want to say Fox. I don't really like Fox News. But they went and got the documents for the lawsuit to talk about what Don has been up to. Allegedly. It's a man named Dustin Heiss. He actually filed this lawsuit two years ago. And I guess it's coming into court now. But he says he was at a bar in New York's Long Island in the summer of 2018. Again, I'm reading this from Fox. And they have quotes from the lawsuit, which was filed in Suffolk County Court. This is the guy's description that I'm reading to you. He says, Lemon put his hand down the front of his own shorts and vigorously rubbed his genitalia, removed his hand and shoved his index and middle fingers into plaintiff's mustache and under plaintiff's nose. Lemon intensely pushed his fingers against plaintiff's face under plaintiff's nose, forcing plaintiff's head thrust backwards. As defendant, that's Don, repeatedly asked plaintiff, that's the man, do you like pussy or dick? While saying this, Mr. Lemon continued to shove his fingers into plaintiff's face with aggression and hostility. Again, Lemon has denied all wrongdoing and has called the suit, quote, frivolous. That's a lot. Maybe he did it, maybe he didn't. I don't know. I, um, as a rule, I don't vouch for men's character. I think men are capable of like a lot of shit. And I've just seen way too many women jump out and be like, he never would. And then the receipts show that he would, could, and did. And the woman who jumps in the middle of it always takes more heat than the man who actually did it. The woman defending the man 
is always the one who scapegoated as the problem. I'm like, well, you know, she didn't rape. She didn't harass. She defended a harasser and a rapist, which is bad. But that's not nearly as bad as actual, you know, rape and harassment. Like, let's get our priorities straight, people. Um, but yeah, maybe he did that shit. Maybe he didn't. I don't know. I hope it's not true. Because that's, that's kind of crazy and wild. I was like, I don't understand, like, how this got to this point. Like, if, it, if this did happen, I was like, why didn't he just, like, pay the man off and get, have him sign an NDA? But I say that about a bunch of shit that comes to public light. Yeah. I guess if people already, always make good decisions, which I don't, life would be a lot less interesting. We wouldn't, we wouldn't have much to talk about on this show. It would just be all respectable. I hope that Don didn't do that. But if he did, I wouldn't be surprised, to be honest with you. Yeah. All right, y'all. I am about to head out for the day. I got to go pick my mama up from the Amtrak. When I used to live here, my mom would come up on the train get at Penn Station, she would get on the train by herself, the subway, and she would come to Brooklyn and she would call me when she came out the train station and I would meet her around the corner and get her bags and walk her to my apartment. Okay. My mom told me that she's coming up on the train and I have to come meet her at Penn Station. And I was like, mommy, get an Uber, get a cab. And she was like, no, come get your mother at Penn Station. So, I am leaving now because it's Friday, 9-15. I am leaving now to go get my mother from Penn Station. We'll talk again next week. I'll be back in L.A. Hopefully, my life will be back to normal. Kind of. Not really. Got a bunch of ish to do when I get home. So, yeah. Enjoy your weekend. Act a fool. Just don't take pictures. Thanks for listening. As always, talk soon. Bye. Bye.